so many people would check in, you know, how's it going? And I would feel this horrible shame and humiliation of it's not going. I'm not getting anywhere. You're listening to the Happy Doc Student Podcast, a podcast dedicated to providing clarity to the often mysterious doctoral process. Do you feel like you're losing your mind? Let me and my guests show you how to put more joy in your journey and graduate with your sanity, health, and relationships intact. I'm your host, Dr. Heather Frederick, and this is Episode 7. In this episode, I welcome Dr. Jody. Himirda. She has her PhD in educational technology and has successfully navigated both the academic and business arenas for more than 20 years. Her passion for learning is evident as she facilitates dialogue that empowers people to become active participants in their lives, both in the classroom and the boardroom. I am so excited to welcome her to today's show. Welcome, Jody. Hi, Heather. Good morning. So today we are going to talk about why not quit? Where do you want to start with that one? I'd like to talk, I'd like to start with my own personal story of finding myself in um, a really desperate situation of feeling like I needed to quit. And I was, you know, working on the dissertation, spinning my wheels, like the the good productive uh, student often finds himself and I wasn't getting anywhere. And not only that, I was getting nowhere fast. I mean, time was just passing and term after term and tuition payment after tuition payment. And I was getting nowhere. Worse, I was sacrificing so much to get nowhere. I had no family time, no social events. Leisure was a joke. And I was really resentful of others for having leisure and joy in their lives. That is not synchronous with my worldview. And I was a stick in the mud. I wasn't even fun to be around. So worse, I was like creating in others how I was feeling internally. I said, I just, I just need, I need to quit. At this point in time, I probably had an approved proposal, which had taken so much energy and effort. And yet I still just, I I just couldn't. And my husband said, no, you're not quitting. And honestly, that speaks to something that we should talk about another time, the value of the people you surround yourself with when you go through this journey. And it is a doctoral journey. People will not understand what you're going through. My husband didn't understand what I was going through, but he knew my passion and he knew my intent. And, you know, he said, you just, you're not, you're not going to quit. So in reflecting on this, I wanted to share how I found myself kind of crawling out of this hole. And that's what it felt like. I would say the first thing you have to do is you have to revisit your reasons for starting. For me personally, I wanted to advance in the field. Uh, I found myself teaching and to be able to continue to teach, I was going to have to, to get the PhD. I come from very humble family beginnings. I, I grew up in poverty. I mean, so it was like doing the unimaginable, but overall I wanted to make a difference. Let's pause with rediscovering your why, because it's interesting to me often if we ask people, why are you getting this degree? Quite a few have to pause and really think about that. It's as if you forget. I had found myself in a position to where in order to keep my job, I had to finish the degree. 
I got hired on this prerequisite that I was in this program and I would finish. But again, like you said, once you're in it, you forget, you know, it's easy to forget and not think of those types of things. So when you were thinking, okay, I need to remember why I'm doing this. Did you actually like stop and write this down? Or did you have a conversation with your husband? How did you, what did you do to make it front and center? I'm a big journaler. And I find the voice in my head speaks most clearly when I journal in those quiet, you know, 5 a.m. moments or 11 p.m. moments when the world is still and it's just me and my thoughts. When I'm in those hard spaces, I always, you know, pull out a notebook or a blank piece of paper or whatever it is. So I find the power of journaling really important for me. And the craziest part of my story is that this job, this dream job that I had landed at this university had a doctoral program. I was surrounded by PhDs. So I was not alone. My boss had a PhD, her boss had a PhD, her, I mean, on and on and on. And I do have to say as a woman, it was very inspiring at that point in time, everyone up to the president were all women. So I was in this nurturing, wonderful space and still felt like quitting. And I couldn't ask for help. So many people would check in, you know, how's it going? And I would feel this horrible shame and humiliation of it's not going, I'm not getting anywhere. But I was surrounded by these wonderful, wonderful people who I absolutely trusted, and I couldn't ask for help. And so one of the most important things that I would say to people is find a way to ask for help. Find a way to put your pride and your ego aside and ask for help. For me, that was challenging. I didn't know what I needed. Yeah, it's almost like sometimes when you get to that point, you don't even know the question to ask, right? So it's there's a couple things going on. One, you don't want to look like a fool. There's this fear of asking the wrong question or the dumb question or the question that will make people go, what the heck are you thinking? But even if you can articulate the question, that's one thing. Often students will say, I know I'm stuck, but I don't even know how to ask the right question to get me unstuck. Absolutely. I often find myself in a space and I realize how all of life has come together to land me in a certain place at a certain time. And I just find such humility and gratitude in in those kind of conscious moments. I, in my master's thesis, had talked about the antidote to helplessness. So I had, I had that in my pocket. I also had done all this incredible reading around conflict resolution. And Arnie Mandel um, in Portland has written a lot about sitting in the fire and finding your edges. So to me, me wanting to quit was an edge. I was, the failures were my edges. They were these uncomfortable spaces. And so I had this just incredible resource just sitting within me. All of these great books I had read, all of these um, people that I valued, they're all all around me. And so when I kind of came up against this hard, no, you're not quitting, (laughs) I went to to look for, okay, well, what do I know about getting, you know, overcoming obstacles, finding that motivation? Interestingly enough, now that I look back, 
I can say edges are really, really uncomfortable. And the one thing to understand is that when you're working with your committee, I think it's so important that you have such an incredible relationship. Again, that's an entire topic for a completely, you know, um, separate podcast, but it's important to know that your committee doesn't have all the answers and they are human and they have edges. And so when you're trying to articulate what you need and they don't know how to answer you, yet they are your committee members and they're in this position where they're supposed to help you, they may respond in a way that is less than helpful unintentionally. Such an important point. Let's like pause. Even if all you're doing is reaching out and saying, I'm stuck, it's possible that your chair doesn't know exactly how to get you unstuck. Yep. And so on some level now they're feeling helpless. Yes. So you end up with the entire group is feeling this discomfort and not knowing how to move things forward. And personally for the student, this experience is pushing yourself as far as you can go in so many different ways. And you'll often hear people speak to the transformational part of this doctoral journey. And I remember when I was a student, that seemed foreign to me. And I had all these lovely behavioral scientists around me. And I kept thinking of it in a very scientific black and white perspective. And I kept thinking, why are you, why are you talking about all this self-growth? I just need to know how to word my problem statement. I just need to know the right order of words for my research question so that somebody will approve it. It's in those painful moments of wording things just right, of organizing your information in just the right way, that that magic comes alive. There is no template for that because you are the creator of this new thing. It's really difficult. And at the same time, at the end of it, there's, and and maybe it's three years after it's behind you, but there's this moment of looking back and understanding the growth that you experienced. It's important to remember learning is hard and uncomfortable. Don't run from that. Lean into it. Spend your energy in those uncomfortable spaces. Just keep pushing and pushing and pushing. And don't be afraid of those uncomfortable spaces when you don't even know what you're talking about anymore. One of the, the greatest challenges in this doctoral space is it's a, it's a new language, but it's not a language that's fully unfamiliar because you've been exposed to it throughout your coursework. The challenge is now you're being asked to apply it to something you are creating. No longer is it a bite-sized little chunkable, reasonable project. Now it's this question that you have, that you've identified, and now you have to apply things. I know I did this myself and I see students do it. Just kind of throwing in a word every now and then. I'm going to triangulate the data. Okay, tell me how you're going to do that. No, no, I'm just going to triangulate it and I'm going to put a source at the end of telling you I'm going to do it. And that's supposed to, right? As the student, you're doing your best to articulate what it is that you think you're supposed to be doing. It's so messy and you fumble and it's so difficult to know how to use this language 
that's so new to you and it can feel uh, defeating. And that's another reason why I think that it creates so much discomfort in the entire committee because you're stumbling and fumbling because you're trying to use this new language and your committee who in and of themselves are specialists in their particular field are trying to understand what it is that you want to do. You know, Jody, as you were talking, I just had this image of you're going through the coursework and it's almost like a paint by numbers, Yes. right? And we're showing you, okay, number two corresponds with blue and you're going to, and then you get to the dissertation doctoral project writing stage. And it's almost like in a instant, you're given this blank canvas and your committee says, okay, go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. That is, that is amazing that that's the image that had in your mind because I, actually was doing paint by numbers with my family last night. And I was thinking of a scene from a movie I recently saw where they're in Paris and they're, you know, doing watercolors, you know, overlooking some beautiful field. And as I was doing the paint by numbers, I was thinking there is not one skill that I could take from what I'm doing right now. And, you know, matching the numbers and filling in these little spaces to a blank canvas in a field in Paris. Like, I just, you know, I, I do not see how that could translate at all. And so you saying that I think is really important because that is how it feels. Students in their coursework are given resources. They're told exactly what it is that they need to read and how they're to comment on it by doing particular assignments. The dissertation, they curate their own reading list. And as curators, they're responsible for making sure that those resources are valid. That's a minefield when it comes to now you're supposed to be curating your own sources and there's so much content out there about your topic. You know, and again, the student is just like, I'm just trying to, to follow the, the, the handbook. I'm just trying to do what I need to do. And I'm curious about this question and I want to do a good job. The coursework has prepared you, but it has prepared you in a way that feels vastly different than the experience that you find yourself in. Uh, I think that often we look to our committee and, oh, you got a PhD, therefore you are an expert in what it takes to get the, you know, to do this dissertation. When it comes to looking to your committee for support, understanding what their expertise is in and what it's not and then creating a network to you know figure out some of those gaps and to me that kind of goes back to you know the imposter syndrome of your committee members may get triggered in that imposter syndrome space and trying to work with them and have it be a safe space for everyone to be vulnerable and everyone to learn and I, I cannot overemphasize the value of the relationship of the people within the committee. Um, and, and I know we'll, we'll have you back to talk specifically about that. But what you've brought to the forefront today that I hear so clearly is just this importance of humility for everyone, yeah. for the student feeling comfortable and saying, I'm stuck and I don't know how to get out of this rut. And for the chair of the committee members to say, wow, and you know what, let's brainstorm because 
I'm, there's not one right answer here. And I'm not sure. Let's talk about this. What happened to you, Jody? You were, you were ready to quit. Your husband said, heck no. You got out your journal. You remembered your why. Then what did you do? Um, I started having regular meetings with my chair, which he had always wanted to have. And I very much wanted to be hands off. I was one of the students who was like, leave me alone. I'm going to figure this out which was getting me again, nowhere fast. And so I was the difficult student who somehow was going to like, you know, pull myself up from my bootstraps. Like it, I mean, I look back at the behaviors that I had and how they were contributing to me being in that space. And I wish I could, you know, reach a handout to my former self. Um, so for me, it was re-engaging with my chair and the conversations were hard, but it pushed me forward. Again, upon reflection, I think it was that embarrassment of not always knowing what he was talking about. I, I wasn't asking for help. And I have never read the dissertation cookbook, the green little book. I didn't use the resources that were out there to help me because I was so stubborn. I would find myself in these spaces where I needed to figure out my logistical regression sample size. So I have a, a Bachelor of Science in Physical Science with a minor in Statistics. So I have a background in Statistics. And so the logistical regression felt like home. It felt familiar. But I had to come up with a very nuanced, specific type and then find the formula to decide what my sample size would be. This is so in the weeds that my methodologist could not or would not. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I went through four methodologists and during my time couldn't help me. And so I felt not only alone, but I felt alone in something that I felt like I should have known. And mm. that those are those edges where I really needed to set aside my pride and say, I feel like I should know this, but I don't. And I feel like that's where the magic happens. When we can say, I don't know how to do this. And then when somebody recommends reading something like the dissertation cookbook, go read it. And what I would do is dig in. I would just dig in and dig in and read everything I could on sample size, but I wasn't going to be able to see the forest for the trees at that point in time. I mean, it just was not going to become clear. I wasn't going to solve my problem by digging in. I had to take a step back. I was really vulnerable one day and talked to the vice provost at the time. I would love to give her credit, Dr. Amy Kahn. She reminded me, and maybe I didn't know this, so I say reminded, but um, I may not have even known, known this, but I was, my dissertation was an academic exercise. And though I had been to these award ceremonies where I felt like there was this amazing award, um, world-changing dissertation work happening in the world by others, she reminded me that this was an academic exercise. This was me proving that I was worthy to do research, that I was worthy of the credentials. And I felt like the biggest weight had been lifted off of my shoulders. And that allowed me to then 
go back to my committee and say, you know, I just spent three weeks reading about sample size. Here's everything that I found about sample size. Here's three different routes. Please tell me which, which way to go. And often they would come back with something that felt to me sing-songy and circular, but eventually it got us where we needed to be. And it's in those moments where you just let your barriers down and you acknowledge that you need help. And if you let people help you, they will. You hit on so many interesting things with that story, Jody. This idea that um, the project is a demonstration project, really, right? Think of your dissertation. Think of your doctoral project as a demonstration. Might it change the world? Maybe. But let's just let that go, right? Let that expectation go. It's simply a demonstration project. And I think, again, this idea of creating the safe space in the committee. Sometimes as the chair, I'll send out a document and the committee will come back and I'll say to the student, I'm not really sure exactly what they meant by this. So I sent them an email. This is what they came back with. Showing the student that you don't have all the answers is such an important part of the process. Should they go on to mentor someone, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. It's not like we want to be the the wizard behind the green curtain, right? We're We're all human. And how can we create these safe spaces to share that we're not sure exactly what the right answer is. Look, if it was easy, more than such a tiny percent of the population would have this terminal degree, right? And if it was that straightforward, we could bottle it up and sell it for a big sum of money. (laughs) As you were talking, I was thinking about my experience, two steps forward, one step back. And it feels sometimes like this big bowl of spaghetti. And I think another thing I heard come through your story is trust the process, Mm -hmm. trust the process. It may seem like I just spent three weeks and I still don't know exactly what to do with the sample size, but eventually you get there. Yes, absolutely. And being familiar with those the documentation, whether it's, you know, a handbook or whether, it, you know, the university has provided a website where it's broken down, whatever it is, use those resources. Like I said before, when you find yourself digging in and digging in, take a step back, take a step back, check out some other resources that are intended to support kind of the bigger process to pull you out of the weeds. Sometimes you need, you need to take a, a deep breath and you need to look at it holistically. So when you find yourself in that position where you're asking, why don't I just quit? We're going to rediscover our why, get out that journal. We're going to come from a place of humility to ask for help. We're going to listen to the advice from our committee members. We're going to be okay with stepping back to get perspective. What final words of wisdom do you want to leave with people who are out there listening going, this is exactly where I am right now. Throw me a lifesaver. Well, that's a heavy burden, but I would say, first and foremost, you can and you will do this. I think that it's really important to acknowledge that you will, you will succeed, you will do this. To stay open to that vulnerability, to that humility, one of the most important things I think is using the curiosity that led you to your research topic be what helps get you through. Be curious enough of what the results will be. Where will this study take you? And allow that to be the light at the end of your tunnel. You know, I love this idea of curiosity and just bringing in this sense of wonder, not just with 
your project. But when we talk about that transformative experience and for the committee too, to sometimes just pause and say, I wonder what I'm learning here. Absolutely. I mean, there are so many different components of this. I love that you use the term wonder because wonder has a joy about it, right? There's this joyfulness of it. And dissertation work is tedious. It's laborious. And as I said in the beginning, I had lost a sense of joy in my everyday life. I was um, cranky and I was not in a positive place. And yet there can be such joy in the discoveries that you make in doing this project. And so being open to letting the dissertation be joyful and what you're discovering about yourself, allowing yourself to be vulnerable and learn from it and see that it's okay. And that's a life lesson that you will have long beyond the dissertation. Which will make it in the end all worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. So for those of you interested in rediscovering your why and finding how is it, it sounds like this great theoretical idea. How do I put more joy? How do I become more curious? If you go to my website, expanderhappy.com, there's a spot there where you can sign up for a free seven-day email adventure where we do just that. We help you kickstart your joyful journey. So Jody, thank you so much for spending time with us today. And I'm looking forward to having you back to talk about creating a network of support both within your committee and outside of your committee. Jody also mentioned some references, some resources that I'll put in the show notes. And until next time, thank you again, Jody. Thank you, Heather. Have a great day. If you're enjoying the Happy Doc Student Podcast, could I ask you a big favor? Would you be willing to rate, review, and subscribe? It would help me get noticed by more people like you, people who know there is a better way to navigate the doctoral process. One more thing, just a quick reminder that the information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only. 